Welcome to Pontoon Runners Off-Road Podcast, your home for all the latest club news and views. I'm Paul. I'm Laura. Okay, hey everyone. Uh, Hi there. We're back at Twin Farms. Hi, yeah, Hi Laura. we can't keep out the pub. I know, well, this time we've got some chips. Sweet potato fries. Yeah, so they're okay, aren't they? Yeah, I'm they're starving. pretty nice. I'm starving. But we're sharing, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Because we're tight. Even though I'm not... <laughs> I'm not starving. I'm <laughs> I'm just had an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? It is yeah, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, start to lose the plot. I've not seen you for a week. What have you been up to? Um, I have been all over the place. I've okay. been down in the Midlands. I have been back and forth with work, just kind of not standing still for moments. I haven't got a lot of running in, which has been quite depressing. Yeah. How about Did you? you do it? Well, same. I was in London last week. Uh, on I went down on Tuesday. Uh, stayed overnight, right? And I was supposed to stay two nights. And I had Thursday morning free, right? Because I was in between conferences and stuff. So I took my running gear, like oh, you nice. do, like yeah. you do. Because when you go away at work, right, the first thing you're thinking about is, I need to put ten running gear with me. Yes. Because you always yeah, have to kind of... Always take it. Anyway, what happened was, so I was planning this trip out, right, and thinking, right, where am I going to run on a Thursday morning? But as it turned out, on the Tuesday when I got to work, the Thursday gig had cancelled. Ah. Uh, yeah. So that meant, right, okay, I'll be coming home on the Wednesday night. So I didn't stay the Wednesday night in London after all, which meant that I could only get a run in realistically on the Wednesday morning right before the conference starts going to yeah. thing so I thought right okay I can get up at crack of dawn and maybe go for a quick run right and I woke up at quarter to six in the hotel I thought oh great I've not overslept I can go for my run but then the next thing I knew it was quarter past seven you know how it is like yes. when you just kind of like go straight back to sleep you don't know where that time goes so in the end I did no running oh. when I was away and then on Thursday I, got, I went out for a quick run up and down Dallas Road doing some um, half kilometre sprints because I missed Wednesday's session. Oh, you did that on your own? Yeah, I did it on my own. Well yeah. done. It was, it's hard going though. Mm. It's hard going. But um, I remember thinking this was hard going and how much easier it is with a group to do that kind of work. It really is. Yeah, which is good because when you're with a group, you do stuff that you wouldn't do if you were on your own. However, I did remember standing there when I was having a little rest. <laughs> in between sprints that wouldn't thinking, be allowed with the group it wouldn't thinking actually it's quite good to try and do this on your own just to kind of mentally kind of yeah. push yourself on your own because when you are running you are running on your own anyway really you know aren't you mm, well you're running against the clock point. aren't you yeah I suppose you are but then it never really feels like that when I'm with the group well when you're with the group obviously you're not on your own but if you're doing like a half marathon say do you, yeah. not, do you not usually end up running on your own though, don't you? Yeah, yeah I certainly did in off. the Great North Run. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to prepare yourself, don't you? Yeah, that's true. So I, I don't know, I just tried to take that away from a little session out on my own, trying to think, right, okay, what can I learn from this? You know, and it was a horrible night like tonight yeah, as well. But then if you don't run in the rain, you don't know what it's like to run in yeah. the rain, do you? And do you know what? Once you're actually out in the rain, I love yeah, running I in, like the rain, in the rain. Splashing through yeah. puddles. As long as it's not really icy and cold and windy, if it's just a mild rain, I'm yeah. well happy. I think as long as you don't get soaked through yeah. and get cold. I don't like getting cold. Yeah. Seriously, I don't. 
so I don't mind a bit of rain like you I don't mind a bit of rain and actually you kind of get in touch with the senses don't you yeah, yeah like the weather and and the wet and smells and everything's different isn't it yeah, when, it when is. it's rainy yeah so there's another kind of sensory kind of thing going on subtly isn't there yeah, when you're I in the rain like that. Um, and the cold as well but, um, so anyway but then on Friday I did my back in oh no yeah so I did no I did no park run on Saturday but Paul Doney came around and we did a recording of the New York Marathon at my house which was nice. great I can't so wait to hear that that is um, something to look forward to chaps um, not sure when I'm going to release it it'll probably be nearer Christmas now because on Monday I'll be doing Mark Carpenter's coaching episodes that'll be coming oh, out on excellent. Monday that's coming up um, so we were going to do Prudder but then I on Saturday with Paul and, yeah. then, and then I said to my now on, in the morning I said I'm a doubt because I've got a bad back you know just come to my house when you're, and, he, and he doesn't take any persuading not to do a part <laughs> run um, he's only done eight did you know that he's no. done, yeah he's only done eight he confessed during the, during the oh. um, session yeah he's done eight so I didn't realise that I, he's not he's not quite into part run like we are so um, <laughs> he said okay I'll just do it at your house and he had a lie in I, I think I not he'd only done eight I mean I yeah. must have seen yeah. him at, at least five yeah, so wow. he's done it, yeah. I didn't know that. So I did no running on Saturday, no running on Sunday, no running on Monday. So just done on physio and my running class tonight, Tuesday. So yeah. Um, Will you be there tomorrow? Yeah, I want to. Be, yeah, 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 yeah. Because my back's feeling better now, Good. and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Wednesday's session with Coach. I forget his name. Steve Lowe, I think. No, yes. David Lowe. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, so you'll get to that. that. You yes, get to that. I'm yeah. going to be there. So you've not seen the tree then, have you? Well, no, you, because you know, it's because not you know there. It's got, <laughs> <laughs> but, but this will but go no, out. Hang on, this this will go out after that session. So right, yeah. So don't worry. You haven't missed it. Hope, well, well hopefully, you hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you all got to Lady Well Road at seven. <laughs> Lady Well Way, Lady Well Way, rather at yeah. seven, and not at the leisure centre for seven, because you. Otherwise, you would have missed it. But that's the A group, isn't it? And then there's the B group. It's the, the A. After, it? da, 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 da. It's the A and the AB, I think. Yes, this week. And then right. it's the B and C C's next week. Yes. And then on the thirtieth, I think it's the whole group, the whole club oh, session. Fantastic. I'm not quite sure dates and times yet. Well, date is the thirtieth. Right. Um, but not quite sure on the time. Actually, I think we are. I think it's 11 o'clock. Right, okay. <laughs> Just releasing yeah. this information yeah, yeah. in like little 11. bits but I, to keep well, us on our... I think what we don't know yet is where it is. Right, okay. What, what It'll be in Pontina somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be by the, the tree that was. Yeah. Um, so, looking forward to that. Right, so we do a few races that are coming up. Let's. Right, because I've written some down because... Because you've done your homework. I've done some homework because last time you didn't do any homework, did you? No. Neither of us did, really. So, coming up, um, I can't see if we're looking now. Oh, here's a tip. Um, if you're wondering where we get all this stuff from, try looking at the northeastracers.com website and you can put some search criteria in there and find races that are near to you. Um, but we've just got a list here to save you from having to do that yourself. So, on the 2nd of December, it's Blythe Sands. 8th of December, it's Reckington Cross Country. Yay! Last one this year. 2nd of December, Dalton Park, which we mentioned last time. That's not the shopping centre, it's an actual race. Yeah, 
Is it a race around the shopping centre? Potentially, like potentially. Supermarket suite. Kind Black of. Friday sales around <laughs> yeah, Dalton yeah. Park. Um, so that's near Seaham somewhere. Run Nation on that one. 9th of December, South Shields Winter Trail Run. Mm. Yeah. Uh, 22nd of December is the Saltwell 10K. Popular, that one. Yeah. And then, well, there's quite a lot happening over Christmas and New Year, aren't there? The, yeah. Um, Park run options, uh, Tanmore, Christmas Day at nine o'clock. Um, there isn't a there isn't a park run on New Year's Day. Instead, there is the New Year's Day resolution run, which is on at eleven o'clock. And that's ten k. Yeah. Druidge Christmas Druidge Bay Park Run is on at Christmas Day at nine and New Year's Day at ten thirty. Saltwell is Christmas Day at nine. Um, Riverside New Year's Day at nine. New Biggin New Year's Day at 9 and there's also a Morpeth 11k on New Year's Day at 1 o'clock so if you've all been paying attention it is possible to do three races on New Year's <laughs> Day so that could be a real challenge right, so there's you, the challenge, you please could, take me up on it so on New Year's Day you could do something like the Riverside at Chester Street at 9 and then go to Town Moor and do the resolution run at 11 and then you could do the Morpeth 11k at 1. Ouch. How about that as a little triple whammy? Or you could do something a little bit more sensible and do the new Biggin at 9. And Druidge Bay Druidge at 10.30. 10 yeah, yeah. And then Morpeth at Oh yeah, of course, one. then you could do the Morpeth one, yeah. But, you know, if you <laughs> want to travel around the northeast and yeah. get a lot of big races, then yeah. go for it. The what? thought of an 11k really excites me. I've never done a race that distance. 11k is not distance, isn't it? No, it's like it's so does strange. That, does that translate into a certain number of miles exactly? Um, I don't know that it does, does it? My hey, maths isn't that good. Don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so those are some upcoming races. Oh, shout outs, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron, for sending me um, the results of the Kirkley 10 miler. Oh, on Sunday, and there were yeah. some cracking results I there. Think that was a good yeah, there were. Let me just have a quick look at Run Nation, right? Uh, Rob Holt came in seventh overall at 58 minutes 26. That is amazing. It's incredible. Uh, James Leeper, one hour two. Roland at one hour seven. Aaron, well done, Aaron, one hour, one hour nine. Some Mark Warwick. Amazing re- yeah. results here. On our 11, Sam's Rob Leslie, McMeany 113, Stephen Spark 113, Miv 114, Stefania 122, Fiona Nicholson 129, Madame Fiona, Tanya Tucker 132. Come back, Tanya. Yeah, Alison Guadagno at 133. Nice to see Alison yeah, back. Yeah, amazing. So well done, Alison. It's good to see you back. And Grace Holt um, at 137. So well done, Grace, because you did. We think you did a PB for your 10k and 15k, Grace. So uh, congratulations, and well done on two cracking, cracking PBs in one race. Amazing. And Aaron, we think you did a 15k PB. We think so. Uh, well done to you, and thanks for nudging me on Messenger about those results because we probably wouldn't. Have. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Rob's um, time was also a PB. But oh, okay. Given how fast it was, I, I yeah, really yeah. hope it was a PB. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What has he got to do? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so well done. 
Also, um, tough luck to Paul Green who came up with uh, calf problems at two miles, so he didn't finish. So um, tough luck this time, Paul. Uh, hope to see you back soon. So anyway, listen, right? You're going to Kenya. You're going to see the Kenyans. I am. I'm going to not run Chris Kenyan. Kenyans. Not, not Chris, Chris Kenyan. Kenyan. Although you know. <laughs> yeah, it's nice he, to see him, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you don't know everything that you're doing yet. So tell us, tell us a bit more about because we saw the posting didn't we, on Facebook. Yeah. So, so um, give us an outline as to what you're going there to do. So I'm going with an international development charity called VSO, mm-hmm. and I'll be leading a team of volunteers who are working with deaf children. Right. Um, as it turns out in Kenya, if you're a deaf child or a young person, you don't get a chance to go to school or learn sign language or anything like that. And quite often people believe that it's down to witchcraft or people are just being stupid by not responding. Um, so we're, we're going out there to, ta- to tackle some of that. And there's VSO have built a school in this town that I'm going to. So we're going to go out and find children who haven't had a chance to go to school and teach them how to learn sign language um, but also at the same time I'm kind of excited to be going to the Kenyan hills <laughs> after years of running up and down Pondeland with this crazy training session called Kenyan Hills yeah. to find out how it's actually supposed to be done and then yeah. I'll come back with some hardcore tips. Okay, let's let's come back to the running <laughs> because because that isn't the reason really why you're no, why you're going. Not. It's just um, a happy coincidence. It's, it's awful, isn't it, that kids yeah. should be discriminated against in that way. Yeah. Um, and not receive an education. Just, just is that are they not receiving an education because there's just no facilities there yeah. to teach them? There's just no infrastructure there for children with disabilities at so, all, full stop. So when you've been there and you've done your three or four months, and you've, what, what will you be leaving behind? What's the legacy of, of the work? So when we get out there, there's a, there's a Kenyan charity that works out there full time on this. So um, VSO kind of send contingents of people for four months at a time to help them um, do all the things that they want to do and to raise the profile. And obviously VSO keeps propping up the, the school that's out there and funds kind of the work in the community. So we will be, um, an action plan was drawn up by some deaf Kenyan people who were part of this Kenyan charity about 18 months ago and we will be implementing that action plan right. with them. Right. Um, so hopefully when we get there I'll have a better idea of what the actions are that we'll be focusing on and, and they'll take some ownership when you go and but yes. so it's partly them taking care of themselves or learning to as well as continuing yeah. so support uh, yeah. sounds really good and I'll, I'll be staying behind a couple of weeks after my team of volunteers go to kind of hand over to the next volunteer team leader right, okay. so none of that work gets lost it all carries on and then hopefully yeah. over a period of time become self-sustaining. Yeah, yeah, because that's what needs to be, isn't yeah. it? You know, I think maybe the way this kind of aid has been delivered is, over the years has kind of changed a bit, hasn't it? And they need yeah. to get the buy-in from the locals, otherwise it's a bit Absolutely. kind of... Absolutely, yeah. Um, they just become projects that don't last. Yeah, and so part of what VSO does as well is um, we have to be part of the community as well, so I have yeah. to live with a host family and um, I'm not allowed to take money or anything like that. I'm not allowed to go on wild safaris and things. I have to live very much within the community, mm. so they kind of accept VSO as part of everyday life kind of thing. It's important, and, isn't it? Yeah. So the barriers are broken down and they yeah. don't see you as like... 
you know, the kind of white imperialists, which yeah. is really how it all yeah. kind of um, started, really. Yeah. Um, there's still a kind of undercurrent of that maybe feeling, isn't there, in Africa? Yeah, um, and I'm not surprised, to yeah, be honest. No. Yeah, was that thinking, was something that I looked heavily into before signing was, up to it. I was thinking back to my... Because at uni, I did economics and yeah. at uni, and I remember studying like African economics and always yes. wondering why it is that even now Africa's a kind of such a poor country, even though there's been billions over the years ploughed into it. And yeah. anyway, it's a much a bigger topic. But um, the witchcraft thing is, is awful, isn't oh, it? I know. It's horrendous. I know. It's horrendous. I think I'll struggle with that. Yeah, just uh, watch what you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So do you think you'll end up doing any running with deaf kids? I wondered about that. I'd love to. I'd love to get them out running. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? So the area that I'm going to... Why not? Well, exactly. Yeah, why shouldn't... Yeah. The area that I'm going to is a big um, running community, and it's where some of the fastest runners in the world come from, including our world marathon record holder. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a coincidence that you just happened to find a place (laughs) right by there. I know. Yeah. It's amazing. They couldn't have found a better spot, could they? (laughs) So I'm hoping to play upon that somehow and kind of get the kids out running and get people from the community out running, get everybody doing something together. I mean, I'm sure this is already happening. They're already out there running because it's such a big thing there. Yeah. um, I'm hoping they let me get involved and teach me the secrets to their amazing running abilities. Well, it could be a great, you know, not that you need one, but it could be a great way of breaking down that barrier, couldn't it, when you do get there? You know, if you can participate in an activity with kids. Yeah. Who will probably run rings around me, let's be honest. I'm going to be at the back of that pack. They'll be naturals, but it'd be an exciting thing to try out, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know? And I will take a Pontylan runner's vest with me. I should me. hope so too. Is there a park run in Kenya? There's not, so I've looked into this. There's, oh, right, no okay. par- there's currently might. no park run, but right. I'm thinking, how amazing would it be to set up like the fastest park run in the world? Oh, God! <laughs> it would be so good. Oh, yeah. Now, the trouble is, with, with park run, the whole joy of it is kind of scanning your barcode and checking your times afterwards. There's mm. not going to be so much infrastructure for doing that, so I need to find a way around it. Is that because there's no internet? No internet. People wouldn't have smartphones anyway, not necessarily access to a computer. Um, But where there's a will, there's a way. Probably wouldn't. wouldn't. Quite excited by the idea. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun. Be fun. So, (laughs) so okay. So, so that's great. Um, we. I know you've got the weekend planned, haven't you, this weekend with the BSO team, so you'll know a bit more about what you're doing when you come back, so you have to give us a regular bulletin and certainly talk again before you go. Yeah, definitely. And then with the podcasting, you know that we can do this thing via messenger and we can do a live recording as well, so it'd be fun to do something over messenger with you and you're over there and then we'll record, because Dave lives in the house as well, and we've done a little test, haven't we? We did one, didn't we? So we know it works, as long as you can get... Um, either a 3 or 4G signal or uh, Wi-Fi internet. Yeah. So fingers crossed um, I can and if I yeah. do manage to track down Kipchoge I'll try and get him on the podcast. chase him down. <laughs> <laughs> That would be brilliant wouldn't it? Yeah it would be amazing. That is your mission. That is. To get. I've got four months to do it I, I'm sure yeah, I can do yeah. it. He's got to go home at some point. Time, <laughs> I'll just wait outside his <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll have to find a way of getting you to interview Kipchoge and then you're 
<laughs> but no, I mean, you can you can send us some photos and stuff on Facebook. Definitely. I'm sure we're really keen to see how you get on, and um, it's for the kids, really, isn't it? If you yeah. can get them running, I think that that would be uh, that would be great. Um, well, we'll all be watching with a lot of uh, interest. And so good luck on that. Thank you. Okay, so now we're now we're up to date with our races that are coming up and we've done our shout outs. So let me introduce the next slot, which is Mark Carpenter. Yay. Uh, yay. So Mark's got an interesting background because he's he's a leader but he's also a coach. Um, and so I went to see him um, a couple of weeks ago now and we recorded um, really interesting interview about the difference between coaching and leading and leading a session and what the differences are that's much more um, athlete centred um, so there's some um, he's got an interesting take interesting thoughts on coaching as a whole for running and um, he's working with a group of punt runners at the minute who are getting ready for the brass monkey oh, half yeah um, have you ever had a coach you never used I've never used a coach before but I'm really interested to find out how the whole thing works and yeah. what difference it makes yeah yeah, I think he's got a method, and it's worked previously yeah. with some of the punt runners doing half marathons. So, um, if you've ever wondered really what it's like to kind of have a coach or um, trying trying to put together a plan for you and um, to do a half or, or or ten or whatever it might be, um, hopefully you'll find this um, conversation interesting. So, we'll come back to you in about uh, half an hour. Okay, see you in a bit. Okay, so hi everyone. Um, I'm sitting here today with Mark Carpenter. Hi Mark. Hi. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah good. Good. Yeah. good. Uh, so we're sat in your kitchen on a Friday night and we're going to talk some running, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely exciting to socialise that we have. <laughs> yeah. Friday night, ticking, talking about running. <laughs> I can't think of anything I'd rather do. Um, so thanks for spending the time, anyway, uh, to join us and, and share some of your thoughts as a, as a coach. Um, oh, and we're uh, looking forward, I'm sure, to, to hearing your, your take on, on coaching. But... Before we get into that, how did you get into running in the first place? Uh, well, so I suppose uh, I started when I was about 18, 19. My first big run was uh, London Marathon with my dad. Wow. Um, did that in uh, 1989. It was my dad's 50th year. Um, he wanted to run the London Marathon and he wanted to climb the Matterhorn. Um, and I did the first one with him. And the second one, we got three quarters of the way up the Matterhorn. And we got snowed off, so we did did some of it, but not all of it. Well so, done. Yeah. Um, but going back a bit before that, I was sort of wheezy kid at school. Um, didn't play a lot of sport at school at all. A bit of squash, a bit of tennis, um, but never really a runner. Um, ha- um, struggled with with uh, my asthma, which um, I actually diagnosed myself when I went to medical school, which is a bit of a sad sort of state of affairs, really, isn't it? Um, and so never did a huge amount of running at school. Mm. Um, and once I got some treatment for my asthma, I could, could start running. And, and since then, really, running has been, I would say, a really important thing in my life um, yeah. for probably the last 30 years, really. Uh, when I was a medical student, I spent a summer working on a campsite in France. Right. And one of the guys who was on the campsite working with me, he was a rep for one of these uh, English holiday companies, and I was working clean the toilets largely for the for the summer holidays um, um he had asthma and um uh, he, he heard me wheezing one day when i was doing something i can't remember what it was cutting hedges clean the toilets camber um and said try this inhaler which i did 
and um, and yeah, and it was quite clear that I had asthma because once I tried the inhaler, I could I could run. Not it was it wasn't quite a Forrest Gump moment, but it was um, I could I started running and ran quite a bit with him over the summer. And then when I got home, that's when my dad said, you know, I fancy running. You know, mm. do you fancy running the marathon together? So so um, trained from there really and did the did the did the marathon at that point. That must have been great to have done it with your dad and yeah, no, at that age, what sort of time did you put down? We did three thirty six. Uh, and um, really happy with that actually as a as a starter. Uh, Did you run together then all the way? All the way, yeah. Oh, all the way, nice. yeah. yeah. So we've run. I've run um, uh, two, three marathons with my dad. I've run two or three with my brother, who's uh, four years younger than me. Um, and I've recently run the Great North Run with my girls. So my my my, um, the, my eldest and youngest child of th- th- uh, girls, and they've they've been running. Yeah. Um, and we ran. I ran the Great North Run with Rebecca when she turned seventeen, and then did the same with Molly when she turned seventeen as well. So, quite a lot of the runs I've done have been with um, family members over the, yeah. over the years. So, how did you get into into coaching then? Because you were with Elsick for a while, weren't you? Doing yeah. some coaching there. Yeah. So when, yeah. We, when we moved up to Newcastle, mm-hmm. um, uh, we looked for the local running club, and Pontian run, Runners wasn't available at the time. No, it um, so our nearest running club was Elsick. Um, and I went and ran with them for a few years when the girls were really small. So when um, um, when they were sort of five, six, we moved them when Rebecca was seven, I think. Mm. Um, ran with them for a few years and then the girls started coming down um, to Elswick to, to run. And one of the coaches said, does anybody fancy helping um, Martin with the coaching? So... I thought, well, I don't mind helping out. Um, so I, I went along and helped out a little bit. Um, it became pretty obvious pretty early on that they didn't need just a parent help, they needed somebody to run run sessions. Um, so I went to and did the UKA uh, coaching assistant weekend course to start with. Um, that was just a two-day um, basic course. Came back to the club and, and helped out with that for helping with with the with the sessions mm. again um that's supposed to be for people just helping deliver a session which has already been set by somebody else um and it became pretty obvious that they needed they need another coach um and one of the, one of the things about coaching is i think you 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 learn as you as you do it and you learn what coaching is as you start doing coaching so they needed someone else to be able to actually coach rather than just run sessions. Mm. And so I then went on and did the full UKA athletics coach qualification, yeah. mainly uh, at Gateshead Stadium with, uh, okay. with with English athletics. Right. Um, and that was two full weekends and then an assessment day um, and actually quite a lot of homework as well, actually. So quite a lot of, um, I'm sure people who are doing, doing qualifications will, will recognise the portfolio sites, that sort of thing. Mm. So a portfolio of coaching and assessing, assessing adult um athletes um, and then I got my UKA and I, and I, tra- I coached at Elzig for five years um, right. running mainly under 13 squad for that for that period of time and what's the difference between like coaching and leading then session so I think it's about it's about um, assessment it's about um, progress it's about um, making a progressive se- set of sessions for a group of athletes Rather than um, taking a session which is which has been designed already and leading and just 
and running it, running with it from a sort of recipe. So did you try to take into account the athletes' sort of targets and goals and what they're trying to get out of it, perhaps a bit more with coaching than, than just leading a session, or is it not quite like that? I think so. I think it's more, it's more that you, you, you're looking at what the athletes, um, what their long-term, slightly more long-term goal is and, and thinking about what their next target race is or, or what, they're, what they're aiming for. So for the, certainly for the juniors, it was a case of the cross-country was our, was our big thing in, at Elzig. That was the thing we used to, to train for. So by about the middle of May, June, I'd be thinking, when's the first cross-country coming on? Mm. And we'd be thinking about targeting the sessions so that the kids were getting used to the right distances, they were getting used to getting strength, they were getting stamina, um, and that's that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, And now with the adults, I suppose... My coaching now has has been largely just running sort of a small group of athletes to a specific race, and that's what we've done. And again, mm. that's about targeting and about pacing, and and that's I think probably the main difference. Really. It's a bit more focused towards a specific, you know, specific goal or or race, as you say. Mm. What what's your kind of coaching philosophy then? Do you have a take on having got some experience over the years of coaching? You know, have you got a kind of philosophy or? towards coaching what you think works for people so I think I think it's a matter um, certainly with 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 adults I think it's it's slightly different to with children with with children it's about making it fun it's about making the whole the, the thing fun um, and if it's fun they will they will they will come along and they'll play and they will take part mm. um, adults need a bit of that so they need to enjoy it obviously so there's no point Bring people. People will simply not come if they don't if they don't enjoy the sessions. Um, adults have probably got a slightly more like to have a target in mind that they want to do something. I think and, and thinking what that target is and making sure it's realistic is important. Mm. I think from from my experiences of, of being a runner and and coaching, a lot of it is about just getting the running done. So, um, but then the problem with that is everyone's got busy lives and has to fit other things around. So. Mm. It's about thinking about individual runners and what their what their wants and goals are, but also how they can fit that into their lives. Because um, most people I coach have got jobs, um, families. Mm. You know, the, my 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 present group's got young kids. They've got full time jobs. Um, they've got other interests. Um, so it's um, it's about fitting that around. I think if you are if you are a full time athlete and all you have to do is get up and train. No, that's fine. But but no one I've coached has ever has ever been in that situation. We've all mm. had to go to work as well. So yeah, and as the target is to say do a marathon, that just takes more and more time as well, doesn't it, to kind of get those runs in and get those miles in that you need to do, and it's it gets it, it starts to really take up a lot of your your family time and all the rest of it, doesn't it, to actually get all that in and then do the recovery. You yeah. know, it's yeah. um, it's a big ask, isn't it? So so what's your um, What's your answer to, to kind of the holy grail of running fast and you know what's the, what's so the I think, technique? Yeah, I think so running fast is about running fast. I think the um Seb Coe said that long slow running makes long slow runners. Um in and uh Seb Coe knows quite a bit about running fast, I think, in his in his heyday. Um he used to run um six hundred uh, sorry, he used to run three hundred meter reps again and again and again, didn't he? That's one of his one of his favourite um, favourite tortures was to do three mm. hundreds. Um, a lot of um, the greats have run short, fast runs. So um, 
Uh, Ovette used to run 150s, I think, as well. So they, they've all run, uh, they've all run um, very, very fast races as well, under the distance and over the speed type sort of uh, efforts. Mm. I think it can't all be fast though, so it needs to be um, a degree of longer stuff. It needs to be some tempo stuff, and it needs to be speed stuff. And I've and I've really subscribed to the run less, run faster type approach over the last few years, which is which has worked really well for me. So this is the first approach. You you can Google it. It's in Runners World, um, but it's based on two athlete coaches who were runners and and good runners who took up triathlon and noticed that despite doing swimming and cycling and doing less running during their week, their running was, if anything, getting better. They had the luxury of working for a university in, in America um, and they had a ver- they've, they've run various groups over, over the years and, and tinkered with, the, with their programme, but it involves running three times a week um, and, having, and doing two other sessions a week, so two other cross training sessions which is what they what they uh, think is the best mm. what that's done for me is is meant that I, I don't I, I, I almost never run tw- on two consecutive days now even when I was Ironman training for in the uh, two years ago um, and I rarely have ever run twice uh, on consecutive days I think it allows uh, a lot of recovery and I think that you say my philosophy whatever I think there's lots of important things to, to think about when you're racing when you sorry when you're racing when you're when you're training mm. one of which is is how do you get your recovery in um, it's a you know, basic physiological fact that, that we that when you uh, train hard you break down muscle um, and that muscle tearing and breaking um, needs time to recover and muscle comes back stronger so if you if all you ever do is train 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 then with no time to recover, um, then you simply will get breakdown and, and no no training effect. So for me, running three times a week seems to be about right. seems mm. to work well for me. Add in a couple of bikes and a swim or two swims and a bike and, and that seems about seems to be about right. And what do you do for recovery? So recovery-wise, well, I suppose um, what I don't do is I don't do recovery runs. So I don't do recovery runs because I don't really I don't really believe that they are recovery so I think that recovery runs are likely to be still breaking down a little bit mm. so they they yes they are they have the advantage that you're running you're getting your body used to running and it's in and, but I think if you can think about taking your recovery runs out of really running and making them cycling or swimming or something else then that might actually better be better for you than than um than running all the time. Yeah. So do you 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 tend to favour them the sort of one long run, and a tempo run, um, and a, and a speed run. Is that kind of where that's, what, that's what I would that's from? what I would go with it with an average week. I think mm-hmm. an average week should look like a long run, and that could be whatever whatever you think a long run is. It depends what you're training for. If you're training for a marathon, that that realistic needs to be up to twenty miles. I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some people run twenty two, don't they? Not many people run much much longer than twenty two in a marathon, in marathon build up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I with a with a long run at marathon speed, um, that issue of breaking things down and and needing recovery afterwards, I think, is even more important. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, you've really got to think about how you recover after that. So if you, if you think that you can do a long marathon run and then spend the rest of the day in the garden digging, up, digging I think you, you, you're, either, you're either not running hard enough and you're marathon long run or you, you're going to be absolutely exhausted. So there has to be a certain amount of um, uh, recovery after it and taking it easy once you've done the run. I usually just went to bed. <laughs> I do a long sort of 15, 16, 18, and then I'd just be in the morning on a Sunday when I was doing the marathons, and then I'd just want to go to bed in the afternoon. And, and even now, you know, I don't mind being there, I'll, I'll do a 10-mile run on a Sunday morning, and I'll have a nap in the afternoon. You know, um, But sleep's quite important, I keep telling myself, but that's just what works for me. I'm just, you know, I don't know whether I'm doing something wrong, I need to look at that, but it... it um, yeah, maybe when we're looking and thinking about these plans, we need to be thinking about the person as well. As you know, it's not just for me. You can go to a book and read a and read a plan, and that's going to be a vanilla plan for everybody. Yes. You know, you've got to look at, haven't you? Sort yes. of like how old that person is, what their running history is. Are they new to running, or have they been running for thirty years? Mm-hmm. What's their physique like? What's their weight like? What's their lifestyle like? Yeah, and then kind of factor all those things. It seems to me into a plan as well. Um, I don't think it's quite as easy necessarily as pulling it out of a book, but um, I don't know. You kind of have to kind of, as you said before when we were chatting about listening to your body as well, don't you? Uh-huh. About how that works for you and how you're feeling when you've done a long run. I think all that's really true. It's um, it's impossible to to think about how you um, coach somebody, how you design a program for somebody without knowing a little bit about them. Mm. And I think um, one size does absolutely not fit all. Um, you hear all sorts of bunkum about training and about what you need to do, which I think a lot of it is is bunkum. So people will say, "Oh, are you training for a marathon? Or how many miles a week are you doing?" And people will say, "I'm doing twenty miles a week." And then other someone will go, oh, "Twenty miles a week? You'll, you can never run a marathon on twenty miles a week. You just—it's never going to happen." And I suppose twenty miles a week, I probably think is a bit low for a marathon, but um, but I think that having to run a hundred miles a week is is a nonsense. Um, the people who are running a hundred marathon miles a week, that's all they're doing. They haven't got a job apart from running as a as a general principle. Do you um, buy into this? Just come back to recovery again about um, other things we can do apart from like not running two consecutive days, but just nourishing ourselves with like good protein and um supplements or anything like that do you see that as a valid way of kind of um sort of getting the muscles to recover from from the uh, the stress it's been under doing a long run or a tempo run the day before or? yeah so i think i think nutrition's important i mm. think um i'm i'm not um i'm not a fan of supplements so mm. i don't i don't take any supplements never have done I think if you eat a balanced diet of real food then that is all you need and that's more than enough yeah um, so you know yeah. um, bit of protein bit of bit of fruit some carbs I think is, is absolutely fine um, I think recovery wise sleep taking um, thinking about what your week looks like before you design your program so if your week looks really hectic then Maybe that's not the week to do the biggest mileage. Um, if you've got a reasonably quiet week with not a great deal of things on, then maybe that's a good week to do mm. lots of lots of things. I mean, everyone has, has weeks when, when Friday night comes along and you walk in the house and you've had enough and you're practically asleep by 7 o'clock. Maybe that's not the best time to do a, a hard session. Mm. Uh, I, think so it's about, I think it's about balancing out the, 
the um, uh, the the sort of the the effort and the breakdown um, with the with the recovery after it. Um, I think if you look back, at, I mean, I've, I'm a bit of a stat geek, so I, I like looking back at my the miles I've run and uh, and um, you know Strava is is a great thing I think for lots of these things. Um, I think looking back at what you've done is is really interesting. You can see what you were doing at that point. I use Strava for my uh, for to record my runs. I've done this ever since I got a Garmin a few years ago. I've, I've had Strava, so um, I, that's quite a bikey thing. But also I use it. I like it for for running. I really quite like it for my coaching as well. So I like it when I'm coaching people yeah. that I can see what they're doing, um, and I think it works well in a group that people um, actually see what other people are doing as well and there's a little bit of peer pressure to get out and run um hopefully it's not hopefully it's good peer pressure it's not it's not demoralizing peer pressure because one of the things about running is it it is it's you against you to a certain extent isn't it mm-hmm. unless you are a an a an amazing athlete you know all the, we've got some really good runners in the club um but most of them are actually winning things they are they 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 are doing well and they're getting age group victories and things like that but they're not winning things but what they are doing is competing against themselves every time you go out so mm. everyone knows what the PB is um, of the various races and that's one of the beauties of running that you although you you are racing against other people that the vast majority of people in you know 50,000 people from the Great North Run but only Mo and two other people had a chance of winning the men's race yeah. You know, there's 49,997 who were running as yeah. also runs yeah. but also runs in terms of not winning the race but they were achieving great personal bests or they even running the race for the first time um, they had great they were achieving things that lots of people sat home on the coach were, were not doing you know looking at my coach if you think back to what I think is important in coaching I think sometimes people um Maybe even race too much if they if they if they want, but that's back to that's back to them doing what they want and and if you as a coach say to people that you mustn't do this you mustn't do that, then they will simply walk away and they mm-hmm. won't do they won't do it. It's, it's about being athlete centered and one of the one of the the UKA sort of mantras really in terms of the, the coaching badges is about how you are an athlete centered coach. So. The archetypal non-athlete-centered coach is somebody who takes a squad of thirty kids on and beats them every Tuesday and every Thursday because they want to have their athlete that goes to the Olympics. Mm. They will have um, thirty kids, but they'll all hate coming. They will, they will, um, they will give up running as soon as they possibly can. Mm. And for me, that is not what I'm. That's not what I'm interested in. Either. That's the worst possible outcome, really, isn't it? For me, it is absolutely. And and I, you know, um, running has been something which has been there for me for the last 30 years. Um, If I'm feeling a bit low, going for a run normally cheers me up. Um, It's a good de-stressor. It's something I can do when I'm I'm away with work. You can put your trainers in your bag, can't you? You You can't take 21 other people to have a game of football, but you can put your trainers in the bag and go when you're away with work. And all those things that running's given me... Um, then that's what that's my philosophy in terms of coaching the children was definitely trying to get them to think that actually in ten years time when they when they were sort of in their twenties if they came home from work one day had nothing to do and thought ah oh, used to quite enjoy running I'll go for a run and if yeah. if a few of them did that that was that was my um, that was my goal really so how do you think people could uh, could approach running a marathon if they think that they're never going to be able to do one 
Um, what, what would you say to those guys? Well, I think most people can run a marathon. So mm. I think it, and, and um, I think people have got that in them. Yeah, I think so. I think if you've not, I mean, not, I mean, people will have uh, disabilities or injuries or, yeah. um, you know, bad knees, bad hips, then then maybe running a marathon, maybe not straight away, it's probably mm. not the thing to do. I think baby steps are the important things with a lot of these races like that. So um, I, I, I'm a big fan of the whole couch to 5K stuff. And I know that um, the club has had several beginners groups where people have gone from not being able to run to being mm. able to run 5K. Mm. I know um, a couple of people at work who are doing a couch to 5K um, at the moment and they, they've they never run before, but they, they they come to work and they tell me how they ran 25 minutes yesterday, last last night um, and all that sort of thing. So I think that's that's really good. I think with a, with a marathon... What are you trying to achieve? You just want to cover the distance, and and have run a marathon. Then I think most people could do that with the appropriate amount of time. Mm. But maybe maybe start with a five k, a ten k, a half before you run straight into a marathon. Yeah, um, I think that's probably the way to do it, uh, and plan it over a period of time. Um, one of the things I think is really important is that you really, really, really don't need to run eighty miles a week to run a marathon. You can do it a less, a lot less than that. If you're thinking about doing a marathon in a, running a marathon in ten, eleven, twelve minute miles, then then you certainly don't need to do that dis- that sort of distance. Mm-hmm. You'll still run a marathon more than anyone else who who hasn't done a marathon has done a marathon, and actually it's a pretty major achievement. And I think most people, when they run their first marathon, um, and well, I would I would deny anyone to say it wasn't a bit of a sense of achievement when they did it. Um, yeah. especially if the plan comes together for me if the plan comes together and you 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 train you you get the get the miles in when you're training you get to race day um, I've done London more than I've done any other marathons um, and I love the atmosphere of London on, on a on marathon morning mm-hmm. um, run London and I mean the first time we did it we finished on London Bridge uh, the second the second and third and fourth times it was um uh, on on the Mall, um, you run past House of Parliament, past Buckingham Palace, and finish the marathon. I think I don't want to say that's not a not a great achievement. So, mm. if anyone's sitting there thinking I could never run a marathon, then um, I think you can. So, mm. uh, give it a go. You just need to get a get a plan together and keep it kind of realistic as well, don't you? And not kind of for those that have done marathons already and are thinking about doing their next one and setting goals for themselves you've got this idea that they needs to be realistic about what how they set those and not just think that they can go out and do it like if they've done a three forty five suddenly they think they can do the next one in three thirty, you know. You've really got to set expectations properly, haven't you? I think a lot of people um approach pace setting and goal setting in a way that is um frankly a bit ludicrous in many ways and they, they, they sort of say, um, I fancy doing a such and such and they base it um um, mainly on mainly on intervals of five minutes, I want to do one forty five or one forty or one thirty five or one thirty for a half marathon, um, and then they base it on what they've done before and what they think would be good. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I'm yeah. absolutely as guilty as, as anyone else on that front. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to run a sub three uh, marathon, never did, um, and my last one I went for sub three and I did three oh seven, and I quite clearly went off too fast mm. so um, 
I was I was in the wrong place in the queue and a lot of other a lot of massive excuses. I could could bore anyone with my excuses about why I didn't run a sub three marathon. But the bottom line comes down that I was probably on three oh four pace and I should have gone for three oh four and I ran three oh three oh seven. So I think um a lot of a lot of uh, people um struggle with long distance running by by going off too fast. And I think going off too fast is the is what'll make your marathon hurt. Mm. Um I really enjoyed your podcast with Paul O'Neill the other week and one, one of the things I, I really particularly enjoyed was his description of run, running Berlin. So his description of running the Berlin Marathon um, was that he felt strong till 35k and people always talked about a marathon being two 10 miles and a 10k. Um, if, you, if, you, if you get your pacing right, it should feel reasonably comfortable for, till nearly the end. And if you're hanging on from 16 miles, then you you are going to lose a lot of time. Yeah. Um, you know, other marathon disasters of mine. I ran I ran a 3:23 in London a few years before that 3:07, uh, where I had it in my head I could run seven minute miles, but clearly I couldn't. Um, so I went off at sevens and I ran seven 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 eight nine ten eleven twelve. So um, that became 3:23. So I yeah. think it's. This concept of pacing is a really important thing, and mm. um, if anyone who's been in my group is listening to this, they'll they'll have heard me uh, bleating on about pacing uh, many many times. Um, metronomic te- pacing is a, is the key, in my view, to, to yeah. running running long. Yeah, um, and I, I would say that's a, probably the most important thing when you're thinking about your times. Mark, that's been great. It's good. It's good to see you bring some of that experience into the club as well because uh, I know you're doing some of this work um, in the Wednesday sessions aren't you with some of the um, ABs because some of your yeah, um, so some of the guys are in AB so yeah I'm hoping to run some sessions with the ABs I've done a few already we've yeah. done some um, some speed sessions with the ABs yeah. um, hopefully people will find those useful we're doing a little bit of drill work as well as well as some um, some efforts so um, hopefully that will be that will come in come in useful. And that's all focused with the Brass Monkey half in January. Is that right? Yeah. yeah so we've got then... a, we've got a group group together who um, who trained last year and a few more tag, tagged on this year. Yeah. Um, aiming to do um, a PB again at the Brass Monkey. Um, we had a lot of PBs last time, so whether we whether we will have as many this this year, um, we're yet to see. Okay. Um, but it was yeah. So the Brass Monkey is what our aim at the moment. Okay. Well. Uh... We'll, uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled and see uh, how everyone gets on. And uh, thanks for your time. Okay. Cheers, Mark. Thanks. So that was good, wasn't it? That was interesting. It was great. Um, I might think about getting my own coach now. Well, you know, it's an interesting... You know, you do... I mean, one of the things I remember saying and chatting to Mark about was... Um, when you're going for a session, even if it's one of our sessions, just sometimes it can be helpful to have an objective in mind. Yeah. You know, because you can go, you can run for lots of different reasons, either because obviously you just want to enjoy it or you're trying to get fit or you can be a bit more kind of determined than that and want to do some sessions because you're building up to a race that you want to do really well in or do a PB in. Yeah. In which case, I think it can sometimes be helpful to think about what you're trying to get from the session. You know, I, I I tend not to look at whether it's an A, an A, B or a B. I just look at the session, see what they're doing and then think, right, what, what session best fits what I'm trying to do? So if I was trying to do like a really hilly trail race and the Bs were doing hills, I'd go out with the Bs even if the As were doing something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I look at what, yeah. the, what the sessions are doing 
because they're all tough, right? So um, that's how I approach which sessions that's I go on. That's a really on good way to look at Wednesday. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, just making sure every session counts, really, sometimes. Um, anyway, so less KMS, you never guess what, right? They've what? been back in touch. What have they sent? Yeah. What have they sent? Well, you know triathletes, right? They yeah. always go on about how important it is at transition, don't they, to get the transition yes. right? And, and they kind of practice transition, yeah. which I didn't really kind of get, really, until I volunteered at the sprint try and saw how crazy it can be transitioning from the pool to the bike and then from the bike to the run, right? It's an art form, isn't it? It, it is, but, but you know what? These triathletes, they get a bit confused sometimes when they're doing these events because there's a lot to think about. They're tired, yeah. exhausted, mentally as well yeah. as physically. So especially what they need... Especially on an Ironman. You've done an Ironman? No, I haven't done one, no. but especially on yeah. something like you, an but Ironman. But aren't you doing the half legs coming up? The half, half legs, man? Half Ironman, yeah. Right, so you need worried. to be... This could be for you, right? Because yeah. it could be on your Christmas list, right? <laughs> you need to be... What do you need to be? You need to be really organised in transition, yes. right? So... What they've developed is a bit like an or, a personal organizer, really. This is going back a bit in the eighties. We had we had personal <laughs> like a filofax. It's a bit like a filofax. <laughs> yeah, it's like a filofax in that there are sections to this um, towel that you put on the on the on the grass or the, on the on the ground, right? And it's got sections just like a filofax. A filofax so towel. You know, you want this already, what? don't you? Yes. You're familiar with the concept. So what it is is, it's it's a towel with different three sections to it so imagine a long rectangle yeah. right? and there's two lines so there's three thirds right so three it's thirds. not stacked like a file of no 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 no, no 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 it's like, like it's like it's like a it's rectangle like a neapolitan ice cream with three three no. sections no no Laura it's like a rectangle <laughs> with two lines going across it in such a way that they create three equal <laughs> sections in the in the rectangle. Do you know in, what I mean? In my head, all yeah. I'm seeing is Neapolitan ice cream. Shall I draw, shall I draw <laughs> yeah. it for you? Right, I'm now yes. drawing in my notebook. Right, this is a tri- um, it's not a triangle, is it? It's a rectangle. <laughs> oh, God, I'm losing it. Right, it's a rectangle. Right, and there's a line there and yeah. a line there. So these are all equal distance. I imagine this translates really yeah. well on the radio. It does. You're all forming a picture in your mind's eye, right? Because what happens is when you come out of the pool. You you stand on the first section of the towel, right? Right. And that's that then sends a message to your brain that says, right, now I need to dry myself down and get changed, <laughs> ready for the bike section. Do you have a second towel to dry yourself down with? If you want to, you can right. do. Don't think you tend to find many triathletes do that though. Oh, they just get changed. They just oh, they don't even do that, do they? Well, they just yeah. strip off, don't they? Yeah, don't they? Because yeah. they have to show all the muscles and stuff, don't yeah. they? Honestly, they're such show-offs, right? So you come out of the pool and you stand on the first uh, third of the towel, right? And there are little footprints that you stand on, left yeah. and the right one, and you stand there, and that's when you get ready for your bike. So you can put your helmet on, and yeah, whatever you put on, your sunglasses. Yeah. And, you sh- and your special little clippy shoes, yeah. right? And then you go off and do the bike, right? And then when you come back from the bike, you get back on your towel, yeah. right? And you stand on the little left and right feet again, right? And you get ready for the um, the run, don't you? Yeah. So you put your train. I mean, you could put your trainers on those left and right little feet if yeah. you wanted to. Yeah. And your socks. Do you wear socks? 
Yeah, so do take my some three pack of socks everywhere. Some people do, though. Some people don't put nail trap on. Oh, I don't know. I'm just a bit scared about rubbing. Yeah, you could put your talcum powder there, couldn't you? Yeah. Should we not talc. get into that? Oh, I, don't I think even thought about there. that. I don't think we better go there. Yeah. So the second section of the towel, see how it's like an organiser? Yeah. You see this, right? It's organising you in, into transition. So on the second, which is the middle segment of the towel, you stand there and you get ready for your bike. So you put your helmet on and your bits and bobs, right? Go out on your bike and then you come back. And the third, the third, then you, then you stand on the third section of the towel, which is at the top now. And there you can have your trainers, left and right trainers, okay? And you get ready for the, um, no. you get ready for the run. That's right, isn't it? Because you've on the first section, you've come off, I got ready for the run on the second section there. Did you? Yeah. Hang on. No, you came out of the pool yeah. and you stood on the first towel section. That's and then where. I put my helmet on. Oh yeah. Then you got ready for the bike. Then you came back to the middle section. Yeah. Right. Is this where you put your medal on? <laughs> it's it's where you probably do your hair, Laura. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And maybe maybe put a bit of I don't know, a bit of makeup on. I don't know. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, you want to look your best for photos, don't you? When you're on the podium, you want to yeah. be looking your best because Neil is making a podium this year. Neil is making a podium. From Ikea. So I, can't, have, I can't wait. It's going to have, have bits, Alan Keys and everything. He's going to have a few bits left. But <laughs> you want to look your best. So you can get yourself ready on the third section, right? And that's where you put your, your shirt back on probably and get yourself tidy, do your hair. And so it's a personal organiser for triathlon. What like do you it. think? What do you think? It can comes in different colours. Well, as somebody who's never done a triathlon before, and who, who is about to do one, I've done a go sprint try. try. Did you a do go a sprint? try? Sorry, yeah, oh, right, okay. a go try. Well, you're no. How did that go? Transition nightmare. That's because you didn't have a you didn't have a personal organiser. It wasn't. Organizer. It was a nightmare. You didn't, yeah. have, a, you didn't have a towel personal organiser. No, I didn't, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So something like this that would help me really to organise it. Do you know where it's going to help? Where? In your times. Do you think? Yeah, because your transition times. All you've got to do is stand on the right bit of towel and straight away you're going to know yeah. what to do. All your stuff will be there. Yeah, all your stuff will be there in the section ready for you. So your times are going to come down at no end, right? So, so it's, out, it's out, out now for Christmas. You can get them in time for Christmas if you, if you, let, if you let less KMS know. Excellent. Right, um, do um, delivery. Um, nice little stocking yeah. filler. Yeah, so... Uh, Give it a go and hopefully we'll see it at Sprint Try. Yeah. Okay. So they've sent me another thing as well. What they sent you? Well, it's for the bikers, the cyclists. Because I don't want people. To, I don't want people to think that we're just picking on the triathletes here because we've done a few reviews now that are for triathletes. Yeah. Right. And really, you want to appeal to everybody in the club and for the cyclists, the keen cyclists out there. You know, when you're cycling on your bike. Yeah. It's really important to hang on to the handlebars, isn't it? Yeah. Although I have seen a few Pontyland runners out on their bikes not holding on to the handlebars. Really? Mentioning no yeah. names? Mentioning no names, but Neil Ward is very good at no really? handlebars. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I saw someone today on a bike with no handlebars. Really? Yeah, no no hands on the handlebars. <laughs> and I thought of this, this is why I'm saying it now, because I thought of that guy today. And I thought it wasn't big and it wasn't clever. You've got to hang on to the handlebars. But when you're doing long distance, yeah, it's quite hard work, isn't it, hanging oh, on? It is, it hurts your hands, you get a cramp. You do. What do you need? You need strong pair need of hands. I need ET fingers. You need a strong pair of hands, yeah. Laura, that's what you need. So what Les KMS have sent me is a device that um, helps train your hands. It's a trainer for your hands, Ooh. right? Yeah, 
I used to do a lot of climbing when I was um, in my twenties, and we used to have like these hand crank. Yes, you've no, seen I've those? seen them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the they squeezy did, thing. Yeah, they're supposed to make your fingers really strong for climbing, right? But they didn't. All they give you is like arthritis. <laughs> <Didn't they? laughs> yeah, when you're in your fifties, you get yeah. But this is different. This is like it's polished steel, and it comes with a um, gyroscope inside, and the whole idea is that you. Squeeze, you gently squeeze them like that, in and out like that, so you get really strong. See how I'm demonstrating, see how these tendons in your hands are getting like yeah. raised and that. Well, these are the things you need to strengthen, mm. otherwise, when you're on a long ride, your hands could fall off the handlebars, and then anything can happen. Oh, yeah, well, we know, don't lose we? balance. We, well, we, yeah, well, these, these racing bikes that drop handlebars, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, you can't control them properly. So you need strong hands. Mm -hmm. so, they've, so they've developed a hand strengthener. Solid steel, really nice, really nice. Um, yeah, you just need, I mean, you can have two. You could buy two, so you could, so you could exercise both at the same time. Yeah. Or you could just, or you could just buy one. And then when you finish exercising your right hand, you place it. You place it in the left hand, yeah, and then you can exercise the left hand. Sounds like a good idea. Obviously, it takes twice as long. You train, you, you kind of um, train sessions, you know, in the gym or whatever. You're doing it at home. You can take yeah. twice as long if you've got if you've only got one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, if so you're just sitting watching something on, if you're TV watching telly or something, or something yeah, you know, they, they, yeah, you could you could you could buy two. Right. I mean, they work like palm up, like I'm demonstrating here, or you could work palm down. Ooh, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be palm up all yeah. the time. You can vary it, and you could you could hold it above your head, I suppose, if you wanted to. It's quite versatile. You, know, you don't have to have it like in front of you like I am now. You could have it in trans pocket if you wanted to. No, that's well, probably, that probably would look very look good. A bit dodgy. <laughs> no, that would look well dodgy. Right. Don't do that, no, please. No, don't do that. I just thought of that, but you don't want to do that because. <laughs> You could get into like a lot of trouble, <laughs> and don't drag my name into it. Don't say Paul said that Paul it was okay. It. it was okay. I could go around work. So yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. Definitely guys. don't. No, do don't this. definitely do not do that. But so hand exercises develops really strong hands, so you can hold on to the bike. Um, so for long cycling rides, is that what you call them? Cycling rides. <laughs> bike rides. Yeah. Bike rides. <laughs> Trips to the shop. Um, it could be really useful. So are you, you going to use these ahead of the coast to coast? Well, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah? I think I need to put it on my Christmas list, I Definitely. think. Because I'm a bit worried about the coast to coast. I know. Have Don't you booked worry. that hotel, by the way, where we're all staying? No, not yet. I know, I know. We need to, we need to reserve that because I've only got so many rooms in that hotel. But anyway, we're getting off the point. Hand exercises, out and out for Christmas. You can buy them in ones or you can buy them in twos. And they'll help you again. They're going to help you with your times, aren't they? Yeah. Because you're not going to let go. You're not going to let go. You're not going to fall off and lose time. You can have much better grip, so you can get down low. You know how you yeah. like, like to get down low and ride really dangerously on those like yeah, drop handlebars. Yeah, that's going to be you in June. You can you can do that with the confidence that you're not going to let go. Yeah. Because you know, that is important. It All is right? important. So, so give it a go. Um, and yeah, let us know how you get on. Okay, folks, well, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.
The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.